I'm going to be reading from the book of Acts this morning, Acts chapter 2, starting in chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And you know what? You read, you read your Bible, and sometimes you're just reading these words. And, and this morning, I really want us to focus on the words, if you will, and, and what's happening at this time. In, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. I think to myself, man, can you imagine the kinds of things that they were doing, um, the kind of miracles they were performing? All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property. Think about this. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their houses and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. A few weeks ago, we really studied this particular powerful passage, and it gives us a glimpse into what happens or what can happen when a church truly becomes um, a Christ-centered community. What, what happens when, when we're talking about being a community? This is my community. But then you've you got to ask the question, what, what truly happens to a church when they become a Christ-centered community? Later in Acts, in chapter 4, verses 32 to 37, we read this, All the believers were one in heart and mind. That alone is difficult. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued testifying to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. You can't read past that without stopping. They're, they're, they, they were so powerful in their giving. They were so powerful in their faith. Their community was so strong that they wiped out a pocket of poverty. There were no needy people among them. Incredible. For from time to time, those who owned land or, or, or houses sold them, brought the money uh, from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. From this passage, again, we get a clear picture, a clear picture of life in a biblical community, what it looks like. And it's it's almost overwhelming if you read that, if you start to study that and really read what was going on there. This is what it looks like when people enter into a life changing journey with Jesus Christ. When we truly give ourselves to Christ and we truly become a part of a community saying, this is my community. This is my life. My life is Jesus Christ. This is the kind of stuff that happens. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to ask us all to throw our money into one big pot this morning. You know, that's the end of the sermon. Okay, everyone sell your house and sell your land. Let's put it in one big pot and we'll just share it with everybody. That's not going to happen this morning. But but I am asking you to try to understand to try to get a glimpse, to try to get a, a, an understanding uh, and become the kind of community of believers that God commands us to be. 
God wants us to be a community. God wants us to be a group of people that are intensely in love with each other and in love with him. And when that happens, something miraculous takes place. And so that's what I want you to focus on this morning. I want you to focus on what can happen. What can happen if we truly become a community of faith? Now, before I dive into this, I want to say that I am incredibly proud of this church. I really am. I'm proud of where we've where we've come from and what God has been doing in our lives. I'm proud of the things we're able to accomplish. Just the fact that we're going to go up and begin to build an African village on a, on a piece of property 45 minutes away. And the lives that are going to be changed when people get to go out and experience what it's like to live in a different country so close to home. Imagine the families that wouldn't be able to do that, wouldn't be able to jump on a plane and go to Africa. But now they're going to be, to, be able to go to a place where they can maybe experience experience some of what it's like to be in one of those countries and the 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 spark that it'll start in the lives of children and families that's just amazing and i'm proud of this church and i'm proud of all of you i'm proud of us and what god has done in our lives and 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 we are caring i really believe that we're a caring and loving community and i know we're not perfect but you know what we are we're healthy I've never been in a more healthy church in all of my life than where we are right now at Grace Chapel. Perfect, not by a long shot. We have a lot, a lot to learn. And there's plenty of room for improvement and growth. But we are a healthy body. And I don't know much what's better you can say about a church than that it's healthy. Because healthy things grow. And I'm not just talking numerically. I'm talking about spiritually. We will grow spiritually as we engage in these different activities that God has called us to. And as we engage with each other, iron sharpens iron, as we encourage each other, like we talked about a few weeks ago, as we connect with each other, our lives will be changed. We will be transformed into different people. Okay, so there are three distinct attributes that I want to talk about this morning when it comes to be being a a, a true uh, community of Christ. OK, a believing community of Christ, three attributes I want to talk about. And the first one is a, a biblical community has an unselfish commitment to Christ at its core. It's an unselfish commitment to Jesus Christ being at the core. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. If we truly want to impact our church, the people around us, or our city, or our world, then we need to be, at, uh, we need to be a church where Jesus Christ is at the center. He is at the core of who we are. Now, everyone would say, of course, Christ has to be at the core. But that's not always the case in churches. You can drift. You can drift away. We can we can talk about God and we can talk about Jesus and we can talk about the resurrection. We can we can talk about those theological things. But sometimes we drift and Christ is not at the core. People get more caught up in building their own kingdom than building the kingdom of God. I was talking to someone recently, won't mention names or where I was, I wasn't around here, and someone was telling me that their church, the, the vision, he said, you know, he asked the leadership of the church, you know, what is the vision of the church? And they said, to, to grow to 5,000. And he said, that's, that's awesome, that's a good goal, but what is the vision of the church? They said, we want to grow to 5,000. That's not a vision, 
It's a goal and a vision. Your vision could help you maybe grow to that point. But when you start thinking that way, we, we want to be bigger than the, the people next door. Or we want to be the largest church and, and we want to. And that's not a vision. That's a goal you may have. But sometimes we can we can drift away and and Christ is no longer at the core. And what the Bible is telling us that Jesus Christ has to be at the core. We need to focus on him, not on us. We need to replace me centeredness with Christ centeredness. There's a big difference. There is a big difference in the attitude and the humility of me-centeredness and Christ-centeredness. I hear people say, well, I need to be the main character in my own life story, don't I? Yeah, I, I, and when people say that to me, I completely understand what they're saying. I really do. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, our goal should be to reflect him in our lives. My goal should be to reflect him in my life. Of course, I'm the main character of my own life story. I'm me. I understand I'm, you know, I walk around, I'm the one talking, I'm the one doing what I'm doing in my own life. So I'm going to be the main character in my life story. But my goal as a follower of Jesus Christ is to reflect him through my life. There's a difference. There's a difference in who gets the glory for your life. And so we need to reflect Jesus Christ through our lives, through our treasures, what we own, through our time, through our talents, through our accomplishments, he needs to receive the glory. You ever met, have you ever, ever talked to someone and while you're talking to them, they're giving you their resume? Don't poke anybody, don't say anybody's name. But I'm just saying, you, you talk to people sometimes and they're, they're, they're giving you their, their, their resume. They, they love to drop their titles. They love to talk about their accomplishments. They love to basically be, you know, they get, they get first billing. They love to be, I don't know how many uh, uh, events you've been to, they love to be recognized at events. You know what I mean? They love it. And they, and they also love to, to take ownership of ideas. You ever been in a board meeting or some meeting or starting an organization or starting a business or starting something? And then you, you know, you're there from the beginning and then you start to hear how things got started maybe a few years later. And it's a little, it's a little bit different than you remember because the person given the story is the one taking the ownership of what happened and how things got started or whatever, the, whatever it may be and what business you're involved in. You know people like that. And when you're surrounded sometimes in a culture like that, which we are, that's our culture. When you're surrounded, something, something happens. And, and when that happens, I think we often, without even recognizing it, we become, we fall into this trap of self-promotion and self-centeredness. You can't you really can't help it because you're around when people you're around are doing that or behaving that way. It's really hard without even recognizing, without even realizing it. You begin to drift into that kind of culture. And and there's a lot of self-promotion and and self-aggrandizement and, you know, self-centeredness that happens in other in order for you to kind of get your due, if you will. And I believe a lot of that has to do with identity. And the next couple of weeks, two or three weeks after this sermon, we're going to talk about that within this series. We're going to talk about identity. You do not want to miss the next few weeks, whether you're whether you're six years old or one hundred and six years old. This is really going to be impactful. Identity. 
How can we truly become the body of Christ? How can we truly use our gifts and understand each other and get close to each other if we don't know who we are, truly who we are in our identity and our personal identity? So, But I think that's what happens sometimes. People are slowly stealing a little bit of what we feel is our identity in this world. And so we drift into this, this, this self-promotion, this self-centeredness. And that is so, that is so different that is so that is so different from the heart that God calls us to have as a community where Christ is at the core. That whole attitude, that whole self-centered attitude is so different than what God calls us to be as a community of Christ when he is at the core. Listen to listen to Acts chapter 4 and verse 32 again. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. They had a different spirit. They had a different attitude. What I'm saying here is this is something we should strive for. The reason that we're so miserable sometimes, the reason we're so overwhelmed, the reason we don't feel like content and have peace and joy in our lives is because we, 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 we get sucked into this other thought process. And we're trying to achieve and we're trying to become and we're trying to hold on to ours and get ours and make sure that no one takes ours and make sure that we get recognized and make sure. And it's okay. And those things are okay to get recognized for things that you do. It is wrong for people to take things from you that you were originally, whatever the case may be, that's all true. But what kind of life do you want to have? And if you allow yourself to get caught up in that, you'll be robbed of your joy. You'll be robbed of your peace. You'll be robbed of your contentment. And the Bible is saying that's not the attitude that we should have in Philippians chapter chapter two, verses one through four, which is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. It says, listen to this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common, if, if any common sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love. Listen to this being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Does that scream to you self-promotion? Does that scream to you, you know, self-centeredness? I need to be number one. I need to be the one recognized. I need to get all the glory. I need to make sure it was all my idea at the end of the day. I need to. No, it doesn't at all. It says, look to the other person. How can you give the other person some credit? How can you encourage the people around you? That's the attitude that we need to have in a biblical community. Each person is to use their gifts and their talents and their abilities and their accomplishments to, to, to be a part of the whole, to fit as a part of the whole, to, to build into God's master plan, to God's epic story. God has a story, and I'm a part of God's story. God has a story, a, a, a holistic story of this, whole, this world, and you're a part of that story. He has a master plan, and you're a part of that plan. But it is His story, it is His plan, and we are a part of that. And if we live our lives in such a way that Christ is at the center and only what we do for Jesus Christ is going to last. And the only person that matters at the end of the day, when they come alongside and pat you on the pat you on the chest and say, hey, this is is going to be Jesus Christ. Good job. Well done. Outstanding. At the end of the day, that's the only person that matters. 
So even if things are taken from you sometimes, even if you're not getting your due sometimes, you will. When Christ is at the core, when Christ is who you're doing it for, you will. You truly will. Jesus Christ needs to be at the core of everything that we do. Encouragement and credit should be given to others for their service and the glory. All the glory should be given to God for our accomplishments. I say this all the time, but we as a church, if if that's one thing we can do, no matter what we accomplish and what we pull off, if we give the glory to God, man, that is such that is so important. Instead of taking the glory for ourselves, instead of saying, look how great we are, look what look at we have done. But look what God has done through us. Look how Christ has worked through us. Look what God has accomplished through us. He receives the glory, sacrifice and service and sharing and humility are at the heart of a Christ centered church. It's at the heart of a Christ-centered community. In James chapter 3 and verse 13, it says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show up by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Okay, number two. In a biblical community, we're connected by an unselfish devotion to each other. By an unselfish devotion to each other. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves. Listen to that word. They devoted themselves. That is at the key of a Christ-like community. Devoting yourself. Do you want to grow spiritually? Then you need to devote yourself. Not, not play around. Not, not kind of, you know, when you get the time. When... You devote yourself to God and you devote yourself to others. If you want to grow spiritually, then you're going to devote yourself to others because Christ is at the center of your life. And if Christ is at the center of your life, then first it goes here and then it goes here. I'm devoting myself to other people. I'm engaging with other people. I'm putting other people first, as Philippians chapter two said. See, here's the thing. And I want you to write this down, get it in your brain, because here's reality. You, you, you become what you are devoted or committed to. You become what you are devoted or committed to. If you are committed to Jesus Christ, you will become like him and you will be devoted to other people. So you become what you are devoted or committed to. You need to ask yourself, What am I devoted to? What am I committed to? What is my family committed to? Or better yet, what have I committed my family to? Where where do you find, think about this, where as a follower of Jesus Christ do you find community? With whom have you surrounded yourself and your kids and your family? Who is around you the most? Who is having the most influence on your children? Who's having the most influence on you? Who do you fellowship with you with the most, if you will? Who do you who do you spend most of your time with? I I have had so many people come to me over the years with with a regretful heart, if you will, because they they devoted themselves. They committed themselves to another activity. You pick it. I don't whatever you want. And then something happened. That activity came to an end. And so no one, no, the people are no longer getting together because I don't care how long the activity went on, but it now it came to an end and they come and they realize, wait, I don't really have a connection to the body of Christ. My the 
I, I know these folks, but I'm not connected to them. And worse still, their kids are not committed to Jesus Christ. They have not been surrounded with the body of Christ. They've, they've basically connected with another group of folks, which is not a bad thing. I, I take Taekwondo. I go there three times a week. I absolutely love it. Love it there. Get to know a lot of the people. I invest in their lives. I love everybody in that place. I try to be, if you will, a pastor in the place and pray for people and encourage people as much as I can. So being involved in other activities is fine. But what happens is, if, if that were my, my main focus in life... I got to ask myself, how would Josh then, my son Josh, turn out? What would his commitment be? Where, where, would, his, where would his loyalties lie? There was a study done by uh, LifeWay. It was a research study. found that 70% of children leave the church when they graduate from high school. Leave. Gone. And the study also showed that th- only 35% of them return. Only 35% of those high school students who leave the church return. In a Christ-centered community, they devote themselves to one another. You can be involved in any activities you want to be involved in. They're not wrong. They're not sinful. They're not terrible. They're not. I'm, I'm all for it. Whatever activity you, whatever hobby, activity, sport, whatever you want to play. But it cannot come first. It cannot come first. And I'm, I, 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 I caution myself. I, I'm really careful. I don't... I think about, should I even say things like this? Because I don't want people to get the wrong idea or take it the wrong way, get offended. But I have to say this. Um, don't be surprised if your children walk away from Christ when they're old enough. If, if, you're not, if, if their main source of relationship is outside of the body of Christ. If they're not connected to followers of Christ and they're not really devoted, their commitment and their devotion is not to God. I don't, I don't see why we're surprised sometimes when these statistics come out and people go, wow, I can't, that's shocking. 70% of children leave the church. Not, not really shocking. See, a Christ-centered community loves each other. They're devoted to each other. They're committed to each other. And that's what holds them together. That's what holds them and bonds them together. And you think, you know, sometimes a church is sometimes a church is the worst, in a sense, place to be if it's an unhealthy church to be a part of because the kids are seeing things they shouldn't see. And you're thinking to yourself, if my when my kids old enough to realize what Christianity is, I'm not sure I want to be in this environment. That's ab- you're absolutely right. I totally agree with that. But in a healthy environment, if we're living out. The book of Acts here in chapter two and chapter four, if we're living this out, you know what your kids are going to see? They're going to feel they're going to feel loved. They're going to be encouraged. They're going to be supported. They're going to be surrounded by people who are devoting themselves to God. They're going to see examples of who Christ is in other people's lives. And they're going to find that devotion, that commitment to God. That's going to last them a lifetime because it's not just you. You've made a commitment to make Okay, Christ, the core, and you made a commitment to those around you to fellowship with them and encourage them and support them and be a part of the body of Christ. And that is going to undergird and strengthen your family for years to come. This is what was happening in the book of Acts. It's amazing. And I'll tell you something else. It's the reason we have a sports center over here. Why we have a soccer field and a basketball area. It's the reason we're going to build a school of the arts in that building. There's a, there's a place, there's a part of that building over here in the Grace Impact Center that's larger than the soccer field that's unfinished. When it's finished, it's going to be an area for the children. It's going to be a children's area. And it's also going to be, the other six days of the week, a school of the arts. It's why we have an incredible marketplace ministry in this church. 
It's why we do things that are unorthodox and out of the box and are part of your lives. Because we want ministry to go on seven days a week on this campus. One day a week for an hour is not going to build the kind of church that they're talking about in the book of Acts. It's not going to happen, okay? It's just not going to happen. You can gather a bunch of people in a room, maybe a lot of people in the room, but it's not the same as what we're talking about here in the book of Acts. They did life together. We want to create a campus here where we do life together where there's, there's opportunities for you to be on this campus more than one day a week, investing in the things that you love. When you, you, you maybe love the marketplace, maybe you're a great business person, you love sports, you love the arts, whatever those arts, whether it's dance or drawing or painting or, or, or singing or playing an instrument, whatever it is, that, we want it to go on in this facility and we want it to be world class is what we want to do to attract people within the church to be a part of it. Not because it's really nice because the church is doing it, but because it's awesome. We started doing archery. You know what? We have one of the we have the best archery ministry in the country when it comes to any church. Why are people why are people coming here in droves now and being a part of this ministry? Not because it's cute and fun and the church is doing it because it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable archery ministry. And so people want to be a part of it. That's what we want to do in every area of ministry. We're not building this campus whimsically going, gee, wasn't that neat? Maybe we'll try this and no thought given to it. There is thought given to it. And it's bringing us together, the body of Christ, to do life together. They met on a daily basis, it said. Not that we have to meet on a daily basis. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about giving you an opportunity to worship God more than one day a week in all your activities and all the things that you love to do. It can happen on this campus, and we can train you on this campus to go out and use all those gifts, talents, and abilities in whatever you do. I'm a pastor of Grace Chapel. When I go do Taekwondo, I'm still a pastor. I don't go, I don't go talking about Jesus the entire time, too busy doing stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I live my life that way no matter where I go, and that's what I'm talking about. Verse 46 says this. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Our Christian culture is changing. It is very rare for a group of a body of believers to stay together for very long. That's not just in the church. It's in every area of our lives. It's in our relationships. It's in our, it's in our work. It's in our community activities. If we don't like something or become challenged by it, we're taught to move on. We are taught to move on, to find something better, to find something, to find something new, to find something maybe more convenient. But it says they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. Let me get this, Let me make it even more personal. What I've learned in my life in my 52 years of life is that if you stick together with a group of people, if you if you if you want to accomplish something, if you want to change the world, if you want to change your community, if you want to impact the world, if you want to if you want to do something really amazing, the way you do that is that you stay together. You stay in a place, you invest in the lives of people around you and together over a period of time, there's nothing you can't accomplish. A group of people who stick together with a common vision can accomplish almost anything. Think about that. A group of people who stick together with a common vision can accomplish almost accomplish almost anything. That's the truth. That's what I've learned. 
That's the attitude that I have when it comes to any any area of ministry or life that I'm involved in. If I stand strong with my family and my church and the other ministries I'm involved in, if I stand strong and I'm consistent and I build into the people around me, God is going to do tremendous things through those ministries and through my family and through all the things I'm involved in. Because when a group of people with a common vision come together and stick together, there's absolutely nothing that they cannot accomplish. Number three. In a biblical community, there is an unselfish willingness to give an unselfish willingness to give. In Acts chapter four and verse thirty two, it says this. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. Can you imagine that? But they shared everything they had. Then verse thirty four continues. And there were no needy people among them. Wow. That that is so incredible. It's so amazing. You'll know that you're a part of a biblical community and that the Holy Spirit is moving in that community when when that community moves from ownership to stewardship. You'll know it. You'll know that the Holy Spirit is truly moving in a church, in a in a biblical community, when that community moves from ownership to stewardship. There is a difference. The difference between a charitable organization and a biblical community is that a charitable organization is concerned with fundraising and a biblical community is concerned with building into a group of people and turning them into stewards. People who believe I don't own it. God owns it all. People who don't think I'm going to give some of what I own to God. I'm going to maybe do some. I'm going to be nice to God and give him something that I own. Instead, they think I'm going to give back to God what he has already given to me. I'm going to give a portion of what God has given to me back to him to accomplish his purpose. What he wants to do within the church. You see, here's the thing. As believers in Jesus Christ, we don't own anything. We are stewards of God's resources while we're here on earth. While we're here, we steward what God has given us. He owns it all. God calls us to bring an offering. Every single person here, God calls you to bring an offering. To consistently give back to what God has given to you. You do that when you go to the box over here and you, we don't pass around the offering plate. You've noticed if you come to our church for more than a week, um, there's a box here, there's a box here. And I want people to do it out of an intrinsic, not extrinsic motivation. I want people to intrinsically be motivated by God, the Holy Spirit, to give. We do it when we give to the church. We do it, you do it when you cook meals for each other. When someone is having a difficult time, you do it when you donate food to the food pantry. You you bring an offering when you give clothing or other items to the thrift store and we use that money to invest in the lives of orphans. We do it all the time. God calls us to have that attitude of stewardship, not ownership. And we are on the right path, my friends. We're on the right path. But we need to strive to live out what it means to be a community of faith. Strive for it. Push for it. Live for it. Pray for it. We need to strive to be that kind of community. What we're talking about here is so much more than coming to church. I'm, I'm so happy that people come to church. But we're talking about here in the book of Acts is so much more than just coming to church. I want all of us, me included, to take this to heart. I want us to own this verse, these verses We can talk all day long in a 21st century church, okay, all day long. We can talk and talk and talk all day long about the size of our churches or the innovation of our churches or the the creativity or the worship. But if we don't nail this one, it's all white noise. 
Because God's not impressed. God is not impressed. Putting 20,000 people in a grand building and talking about God is not a community, okay? A biblical community of followers of Jesus Christ, that Christ is at the core, who are putting each other first. It's the same with a church of 100 or 500 or 800. It's the same thing. You know what I learned in my Christian walk? You can fake spirituality. Anybody shocked? Right. You can fake spirituality. Oh, you know what? We got to go deeper. Go deep, deep. Oh, man, we got to be. If I could just we just get we can go in that we'll go deeper and much deeper. And you can um, you can jump through all the, the, the ritualistic hoops you want to. But if Christ is not at the core of your life, if we are not putting other people before ourselves and if we're not willing to give to make sure that God's will is done then, my friends, it is all just a shadow of a true biblical community. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want us to make, I don't want to walk out of here and and by Wednesday forget what we talked about. I want us to make a commitment this morning. As we take communion, as we close with taking communion, let's commit to becoming the kind of community that the book of Acts lays out for us. Let's try with all of our hearts. We may not completely get there, but let's, let's, let's not just give up. Let's try with all of our hearts to be this kind of community. Can you imagine what God can do? Let's spend some time in prayer right now and ask God to help us personally. Not as a whole, we can pray for the whole as well, for the whole church, but let's ask God to help us personally to work on areas of weakness. Ask yourself, am I putting anything before Christ? Even a good thing, I'm talking about even a good thing. Am I putting something before Jesus Christ? Is Christ at the core of my life or something else at the core? Are we devoted to each other? Or has some other activity stolen our hearts? Are we living like owners? It's mine or stewards. Do we give or is there always some reason that we don't? Talking about money in the church and I don't have this and this is mine. And what's the reason? Is there are we are we stewards of God's resources Or is there always some reason why we're not going to bring God an offering? Let's pray about these just for a moment before we go into communion. On your own, just pray. Just take a moment, take a minute and pray for yourself. God, I want to, I personally want to put you first in my life. I want you at the core of everything that I do. I want you to be the core of this community. That starts, Lord, with the leadership of the church. Pray that we would have you as the number one priority in our lives, above and beyond everything else. Secondly, Lord, that we would put others before ourselves, that I would put other people before myself. I would give credit where credit is due, Lord God. I would look for opportunities to encourage other people I would not take glory for myself, but give all the glory to you and to respect those around me who put so much energy and time into so many things that make this church what it is. 
God, you receive all the glory. Let me have a heart of humility, Lord God. And God, help each one of us to stop making excuses and and to start bringing an offering to you, Lord God. Not just an offering of our finances, which is important, but your word says that we should offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. And as we enter into this time of communion, Lord God, that's our prayer. That right now we would offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. This is our spiritual act of worship. This morning I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Starting in verse 26. When I finish reading, I'm going to pray for the bread and for the cup. And when I'm finished praying, you don't have to wait. The bread and the cup are on tables in the back. As the Holy Spirit leads you, after I'm finished praying, you can get up and you can take the cup and you can take the bread and you can come sit back down. You can come to the front and pray. You can kneel and pray, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do. But this is about remembering Jesus Christ. This is no ritual that we go through. This is reality. This is who we are. And we need to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. We need to look for miracles in the church. We need to seek out God. We need to care about each other. We need to give all of what we have and who we are to him. If we want to be that biblical community that can change the world. Just the world around us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, it says, sorry, I'm sorry, in verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he's betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Our Father, we come before you. We want to have clean hearts this morning. So we ask, Lord God, each one of us individually would ask that you would forgive us for whatever sins that we are carrying in our lives that we have not confessed. And Father, we want to put you first. Put others before ourselves. And offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for his death on the cross. We thank you for his body, which was given for us. That we could be a part of your family, that we could be adopted into your family because of the sacrifice he made on the cross. We can be called your children. And thank you for the blood that he shed, Lord God, that covers us, that covers over our sin. Said so if we confess with our mouth, Lord God, if we if we honestly confess that we have sinned, your word says that you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Lord God, we want to be purified. We want to leave this place different than when we came in. We want to be people who have you at the core of our hearts. 
And that will spread, Lord, to our church, to our community, to our nation, and to our world. Use us, we pray, as we remember you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. As the Spirit leads, you may take the elements. You don't need to wait for anyone else. As the Spirit leads you, you can take the cup and the bread. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And for the impact he has on each one of our lives. Thank you for your mercy and for your grace and for your patience with us. As we try, Lord God, to become more like you. To reflect you, your life through our lives. God, help us to be humble. Help us to be compassionate. Help us to be bold. Help us to follow after you in everything that we say and what we do. God, we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory for the sacrifice that you have made for us to allow us to live in peace with you, to be in love with you, and to be in love with each other. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great week.